This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Unlucky Charms, the newest marshmallow breakfast cereal that after you eat it, you get explosive diarrhea. Take your stinking bar off me, you damn 38! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that created its own 112, and it actually makes you into a monkey. <laughs> I'm Zach. And I'm Frank. And today we are here to discuss Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I forgot completely about this Me film. Me too. I, like, <laughs> I, I, I saw this movie when it came out in theaters, mm-hmm. and I must have... What, when did this movie come 2011? out? 2011. Okay, so... Yeah, I was definitely like younger. I I remember going to the theater with my friend Sam mm-hmm. and and watching it. And I remember really enjoying it. Yeah, but I remember liking it. I never got around to the other ones mm-hmm. and I just never saw this movie ever again. Like I saw this movie in theaters the one time and I just never went back to it. Yeah, I mean like the biggest thing is the the no, like when when Caesar says no, like everybody remembers that part. Yeah. But I for some reason remember it like on the bridge. I don't remember it like in the cage. Oh, I definitely remember it in the cage. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and I don't know why, like I I'm glad that you like that that this is the film that we're doing because I think this movie's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's a. It's probably the best version of Planet, like the Planet of the Apes that we've seen so far. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think all the other ones are. I mean, look, Tim Burton's for me is awful, oh, garbage, like just a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the other ones that are like were you know way back in like the seventies and stuff, like the I first mean, one is great. They're cool, because, mm-hmm. but like they haven't aged particularly well. No, because you can tell like it's it's very it's just much dudes like, in suits. Yeah. like <laughs> it, it just it just clearly is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cooper in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Those almost like those to this day. Those still kind of look like monkeys. Like mm-hmm. they they look really good. And at one point too, this film actually has like almost a 2001 moment to it. In the new one, or yeah. in, in the in, one that we're in, doing. Yeah, in this one. What uh, What are you talking? When? I'll, I'll get All into right, it. We'll, we'll let's get let's into do it. like the rundown, and then All we'll right. get into it. So, Rise of the Planet of the Apes came out in 2011. It was directed by Rupert Wyatt. You have the star of this film, Andy Serkis, who yeah. plays Caesar. You have James Franco, who plays Will. You have Frida Pinto, who plays Caroline, his girlfriend. Uh, you have David Oyeloa, who plays Stephen, kind of the antagonist. Yeah, he is. Um, you have Brian Cox in here, who plays John, the handler. Mm-hmm. I threw him in just because you have... Like, Brian Cox is always, like, a bad guy, and he's always good at being a bad yeah, guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, and then you have John Lithgow, who plays Charles, Will's dad. Yeah. And then I guess you can throw in Tom Felton, who plays Dodge, who's John's son, who's the an dude from asshole. Harry Potter. <laughs> Is he? I thought so. Yeah, it's uh, Mal- Malfoy? Draco, Draco Malfoy. Or ah, I've never seen any of them. I, I recognized him and I was like, where the fuck have yeah, I seen yeah. you from? And then I guess you can throw in Tyler Labin, who plays Franklin, like the friend at the beginning, right. but then he's not in it for most of the film until yeah, yeah. the end. Um, and I, I think that two also really important names to say that are well two really important names that are a part of this movie are uh rick jaffa and amanda silver who were the writers Mm -hmm. um because they created the entire story of this and um i think they did a really good job i'm glad you put that in because they are they the storytelling in this film is unlike any other planet of the apes for sure and um, if you don't know, if you somehow have managed to know, have no idea what Planet of the Apes is about, um, it's about a 
small little monkey. <laughs> and uh, pretty much James Franco character ends up like taking the monkey home with him. And because he ends up like kind of becoming like a father figure mm-hmm. and he raises it, he names him Caesar and pretty much Caesar becomes a domesticated monkey that ends up having this like really intriguing and really, really emotional, like internal struggle mm-hmm. about like, man versus animal like monkey versus man like he he's not really sure what he is and how he and how he's more intelligent than these other monkeys um and then by the end of it i mean you're in full blown they're talking and mm-hmm. they and and it's it's a legit rise of the planet of the apes yeah. and um and it's about them becoming intelligent beings and uh realizing I guess, kind of like their worth in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, there is that powerful scene where it's like they go to the park and Caesar's on like the leash and the dog is like barking at him. Yeah. And he like hand signs like, am I a pet? Yeah. And that's like a big thing. It was yeah. also nice to see Will or um, James Franco in a serious role for once. Yeah. I mean, James Franco has a few under his belt for sure. I mean, he's definitely like, like I feel like when a lot of people picture James Franco, they just picture like Pineapple Express and stuff yeah. like that. But I, I do think that it is kind of like downplaying his like abilities because he actually is a very capable actor. I mean, you watch Disaster Artist mm-hmm. with uh, about like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, like and, he did and a really room. good like, job playing him. That's a really, really fantastic. You can really tell how good of an actor mm-hmm. he is. I mean, him playing Tommy Wiseau is like, yeah. it's like, almost, <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really glad that we ended up doing this movie because I did not anticipate enjoying this movie as much as I did it. And I did not anticipate the amount of emotional depth that was in this film. I just didn't remember it. Yeah. And I was really young when the movie came out. So I probably didn't quite grasp a lot of it. But I mean, this movie is like heavy. It it is. And, you know, from all of Caesar's perspective, like you really feel for him. Yeah. And... I, I will say this, like, this is probably the one exception where I think CGI is done right. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, to this day, it still looks... I mean, you can definitely tell, like, I've seen, like, some clips of the newer ones that have mm-hmm. come out, the the sequel and then the, the, the third, but they obviously have surpassed the yeah. CGI technology than this first one, but this first one still looks really fucking good. But yeah. the, but the new ones look it, it borderline. It, it's just like, yeah, like the, Oh, that, that's just a real monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess too, this was like one of the first films where it's like, they actually did mocap out in the wild. Like it's not just in front of a green screen or like yeah. in a weird, like jungle gym type setup where right. you can just mocap everything. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Andy circus has always been like the go-to guy for mocap. Like I think he's perfect for the role, like between this and Gollum in Lord of the Rings and Snoke in the newer star Wars films. Like he just has this down to like a T. Yeah. I mean, you look at, because at the end of the day, like a lot of this, a lot of the emotional potency that, uh, that Caesar delivers is all through facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And Circus's facial expressions really come through. Yeah. You know, and although you're looking at it through the, the face of a monkey, I mean, you still, it, it's it's a really weird balance of human facial expressions meeting animal face. Yeah. And, but it, but it, you really, really get the sense of like how he's feeling with out having to, uh, 
hear words and and ha- you know without having him have to express um vocally how he yeah. feels yeah like all facial expressions again like andy circus just knows what he's doing with it and especially too like you know towards the later half of the film where caesar is put into like the kennel mm-hmm. you really see that um i will say though before we get into like everything else there are two things that i didn't really enjoy about this film um and they're small things uh one was the the love story always between it's always unnecessary. Yeah, Caroline and Will. I, yeah. It seems forced. It seems like you honestly could have just had them dating from the beginning yeah. and like just kind of put them through. You didn't have to make like this weird thing of like, oh, okay, they're going out and then it jumps five years right, yeah. and now they're like really together. And yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't, I don't really need that. Um, I also didn't need the comic relief of the neighbor. Yeah, he was kind of like... He was in there way too much, yeah. like three times of all of this. And yeah. it's like, the last time, yeah, like, it's necessary, but you really didn't need the two times of it. Yeah, yeah. And finally, like, the first 30 minutes of the film, because this is an hour and 45 minutes long, the first 30 minutes of the film does feel a little slow. I actually disagree. I think that this movie's almost perfectly paced. Really? I, I, You know what it is, though, like, about this film that I that I was, like, appreciating about, about it was... So, look, yes... I, I see what you mean, but you also have to acknowledge that there's they're they're building an entire franchise yeah. in an hour and forty five minutes, and that that means that they need to include they need to bring in all the characters that you need to know and give everybody some type of backstory so you understand who they are and what their purpose is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And for that, I think this movie does a really really good job of introducing everybody and giving them. Because, like, there aren't any unnecessary characters, in my opinion, really. Like, besides, like, the neighbor. Like, everybody yeah. else that, like, pretty much is in the film pretty much serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing that I really enjoyed was that about with the screenplay, every action pretty much leads into the next scene. And, like, there is never a point in which something happens that doesn't really, like, come back to play. Like, everything happens for a reason to then, you know, move the plot forward. Yeah. And I really, really thought that this movie was like excellently paced. Uh, in that aspect, I can I, I can get behind you with it. Like just looking at it from like a film by itself, I'm looking at it more of as like a franchise where a lot of people go into this already having preconceived notions of like what Planet of the Apes is. Yeah, because this movie takes it all the way to the beginning. Yeah, I mean like all the way to the beginning. And I think like it was a really cool idea of like the L- the ALZ like 112 being initially designed to like cure alzheimer's Mm -hmm. i think you took like something where it's like grounded in reality of like hey this is something that we actually need to solve and was the basis for how like these monkeys actually become intelligent right like Like, i thought that was really cool the whole premise of this like this film being grounded in a reality that makes sense really really i think is a benefit for the film because a lot of the other planet of the apes just don't like yeah it's like oh there's there's future apes that are time traveling to go back (laughs) in time to go see the other apes that Mm -hmm. and like these apes are already running the world and it's just like this isn't make like you like as an audience member that means like you now have to adjust like like your expectations and you have to sit there and be like, okay, what's going on? And you're kind of like playing catch up the whole time. And you're like, okay. And then you finally get your bearings like halfway through the film. But this movie, it's very much based in reality Mm -hmm. and you fully understand everything that's going on from the beginning. It's like, we can, 
us as moviegoers can relate to what's going on in the film. Like we can relate to uh, relate to like Will, mm-hmm. and we can relate to Caesar yeah. because we understand. And that's something else that I loved is that like. Caesar is the main character. He mm-hmm. is the protagonist. It's yeah. not James it's not Franco. Will. It's not mm-hmm. Will. It, it, it is Caesar. And all of it weighing on him and like, you know, making... I think it's a really a big accomplishment to have a monkey be the main... The star of the film and for us to be rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Because we know where this is leading. Yeah. Yet we still want him to win yeah because of how shitty he's being treated and and mm-hmm. we understand it's it's like a great villain it's like the, you know what i mean it's like what we said what we always say about like a villain's backstory and and like understanding how they became who they became and like what happened to them and you know all of that coming together as to them being the way that they are yeah and you fully understand why caesar goes from this small baby that you know kind of like relies on will and looks at him as a father and trusts him and puts everything that he has into him to then realizing that he's an ape and then of course you have that really really powerful moment at the end where he says like you know i am home or this Mm -hmm. is my home or whatever it is and he and he and and he's in the red forest it's incredible yeah and that's why too like when you get to the actual part of caesar like trapped in the kennel with all the other apes like it's it's a powerful 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, you have what I think is, like, a really emotional scene of him picking up the rock and, like, drawing the window yeah, on the that's, wall. Yeah, dude, that hurts. That, that hurt me. Like, yeah. honestly, I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't expecting to feel so emotional and so attached to, like, how Caesar is being treated. Yeah. And what I mentioned before of, like, the 2001 moment was with um, Caesar and the other ape. Like when he first is like coming into the kennel with all of them and the other ape like challenges him and you have like this moment later on where Caesar kind of becomes like a little bit smarter and releases the gorilla and I liked that moment of like him like standing up to him almost as if like you know picking up the stick and realizing like oh I can use this as a weapon like he realized oh he can have backup with the gorilla. Yeah, because, like, Caesar's in a really weird spot when he gets dropped off because it's, like, he's he's too human. Like, he's not enough. He's not ape mm-hmm. enough for them, and they're not human enough for him. Yeah. You know? And it's, like, a really weird dynamic, and it's a really great dynamic because Caesar is way more intelligent than these other monkeys are, mm-hmm. um, or these other apes, but... But he's just in at like a loss because he's so like again he's kind of like domesticated so mm-hmm. he isn't he doesn't quite he's not ape enough that's really what it comes down to is just he's not like an authentic real ape yet mm-hmm. and watching him progress to that point in which when he fucking ends up beating the shit out of uh, what's his name um uh, I can't think of the guy's name the the douchebag oh yeah yeah Dalton I yeah. think yeah he and and he ends up like saying like no I'm not going into the cage you know mm-hmm. and then I mean it's you, a it's you, the you most... already you already mentioned it but I mean listen man when he says no mm-hmm. goosebumps th- it's it, that's a power that was a powerful scene when I first saw it and that's still a fucking powerful scene like that is a really really incredible and uh, I like too that they gave you like a throwback of get your damn hands off me you damn dirty ape yeah, like yeah. That, that was cool yeah uh and then i guess i think it was an accident like he accidentally kills him yeah because 
you know, even with like this, I, I guess you can say like a villainous mindset of Caesar of like, I've been treated wrong, so now I have to like avenge. He still is very much against like killing and he promotes like the other apes to not kill because they were going to beat up the other guy that was like stuttering constantly that works in the company. And Caesar comes in and stops them and throws him in the kennel instead and like just gives him like a blanket and like just says yeah. like hey you're you live here for right now. Yeah, Caesar's very he 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 comes across as he's an intelligent leader mm-hmm. because instead of being, you know, the the angry and just uh just kind of asshole yeah, bitter leader, to the world. Yeah, he's actually like a like a smart caring and he realizes that you know, showing affection and whatnot makes the other apes like like him, mm-hmm. and and they do follow him. And it's really, really, it's really intelligent writing. Yeah, I am curious to see though too, like with some of the other apes, like the one that like he did beat out to become the leader, and later on, Cato, the one that uh, they tested on afterwards for the one thirteen. Yeah, I'm curious to see like if they touch on it in other movies of like, hey. Is there some inner conflict between them? Right. I feel like there would have to be. Yeah. Like, just for, like, story purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would like to point out, it seems that this company, Genesis, has horrible security systems that, like, Caesar can just, like, escape, walk in, grab the A-13, grab it, yeah. and then walk out with nobody noticing. <laughs> like, that seems remember that, a little too remember easy. that, that Family Guy episode where uh, I think it's Brian and Stewie break into, like, some, like, high-security mm-hmm. lab, and they're, like, trying to get something, and they, like, end up making way too much noise, yeah. and then, like, the security guards are like, hey! What's going on down there? <laughs> and Stewie's just like, nothing. And they're like, all right. <laughs> I think that was the Star Wars one. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever it was. And then it's just, and then they just continue, and it's just really, really funny. That's a classic. Oh, I miss Family Guy. Yeah, there's there's the other one, too, where it's like they break into like Carter's lab, and it's like, hey, you guys aren't wearing suits. You're going to make everybody else think that it's okay. And it's like, hey, they're not wearing suits. How come we have to? He's like, like you, you see, see what you did? <laughs> classic but yeah like it just seems like way too easy that like caesar can just walk in and walk out yeah but i mean you have to have it for the plot like to further progress and like you know i thought that was a perfect shot of caesar like leading all of them out and you could see the green eyes and all of them well the i love when he fucking stabs the canisters and rolls them into the uh into like it's a very cool shot yeah it's really really awesome and like and then you just that's like the beginning of the end you know like that's like oh man like all right now and then yeah you're right like then you start seeing the eyes start changing colors and you're like oh shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you can really see like the progression of intelligence from caesar like really understanding this place and it it reminded me a lot of like a prison film. Like right. it really is Caesar trying to like break out, like almost reminiscent to like Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to break out. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. It really is. And then of course you get to the point in which, I mean, they leave and uh, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And but I again, mean, no killing. No, no. Except for the San Francisco bridge. Yeah. I mean, Part of me thinks that, like, you know, while this is a PG-13 film, I feel like a couple of deaths really could have impacted the film. Yeah. I mean, you have the the one on the San Francisco Bridge of Steven. Mm-hmm. 
But and I think, on, but like you kind of want Stephen to die because he's kind of a douche. Like yeah. he he is the antagonist, like in a, in a way, because mm-hmm. he's kind of just like this corporate douchebag that only cares about money and and whatever. Um, and you're glad to see him die, mm-hmm. but like I think almost like an like a a death that maybe a person who doesn't really deserve it could have really really like set the tone of like a really really emotional like turning point yeah like if will had died yeah it, like if like that would have been like oh, okay like caesar really has turned his back on humanity at this point yeah like if an accidental death right like he has nothing left yeah yeah that could have been kind of cool mm-hmm. but also but i also really think that the ending is also kind of perfect yeah i mean like when when will finally gets to the resort and like sees all of them there and tells him like hey come home like i can protect you and he whispers in his ear, Hail Hydra. No. <laughs> no. No, he whispers in his ear, Caesar is home. <laughs> what a different movie this would be. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, like he whispers, Caesar is home. And Will, like, immediately, while he's shocked that, like, Caesar can talk, he understands. Yeah. And he knows, like, okay, I have to leave. But I. Like, it, it ends up being, like, a very somber ending. Mm-hmm. And while I don't feel like that fully fits with, like, the overall theme of the film, I do at the same time because it really is more of, we joke about it, but a coming-of-age tale of Caesar, of, like, yeah. who he is. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, really, th- what this film is about is really about, like, oppression mm-hmm. and, like, identity. Yeah. Like, that's really, like, the main, the two main themes that I really get from this movie is, like, oppression, like... Like you, you're being told that like that you're like monkeys don't like or apes don't matter. Apes don't matter. Like mm-hmm. you're you're you know you're you're, you're a stupid monkey. Um, you're not you're not able to provide anything for society. And then Caesar obviously is not a stupid monkey. Mm-hmm. He's very intelligent, and it it gets proven that he's very intelligent throughout the course of the movie. And I mean, yeah, and of course, like the the whole like identity thing is just like Caesar not knowing. If he, is he a man? Is he not? I think yeah. like the like a real turning point for like him being like really really lost was when he attacks the neighbor mm-hmm. um, after the dad crashes the car and whatnot because he goes out and he attacks the neighbor and to everybody else surrounding him they're seeing a wild animal attack mm-hmm. a man but to Caesar it's a friend protecting a friend yeah you know and listen man like again like this movie blew me away with like the amount of like emotional depth also that, like I, I did realize too there was like an a technically unnecessary death that like pushed further the story and that was the gorilla correct yeah yeah i mean that was a point where caesar kind of was like okay we're done with this but like, that was awesome yes <laughs> yes <laughs> just jumping in the helicopter yeah, I mean, that was, was really cool it was pretty awesome yeah but um yeah, like, overall, like, I think this film really had, like, an impact, and I don't think that it really meant to at the time. I think it did. I think that they knew what I, they were doing. I, I think, like, it it missed the mark for a lot of people, but if you really sit down there and dissect it, like, it really has a message to be said. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so drastically different than what... If you, if you are a fan of the original Planet of the Apes, it's so drastically different that... You might be right where like it may have missed a mark for for a certain fan base, but mm-hmm. I do think that they landed. I think that the writers landed exactly where they wanted to land. Yeah, and I think you know too, like 
the after the credits roll, I don't know if you saw it, like there was the ending of the the douchebag neighbor like going to the airport yeah, and like he's the spreading of the disease yeah and whatnot. so yeah. that really helps to set up for the franchise in a very small way yeah because had you just left it at you know caesar and all the other apes like climb up the trees and you're just looking out at like the bridge right it's a cool ending but like how do you build off of that right and i think with the ending that like is shown after the trailers that really solidifies like okay like how to set up for and the it next. felt very uh relevant to today yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a virus like yeah, it, yeah it feels relevant yeah i was watching that and i was like wow yeah you knew uh knew nine years <laughs> in advance huh <laughs> yeah um but yeah man i mean again like this movie really really blew me away I, I i wasn't expecting the amount of emotional depth and and uh and characterization and whatnot yeah in, in that aspect i give it nine monkey paws nine monkey paws yeah <laughs> it was really really good mm-hmm. um and it does really really make me want to watch the other ones yeah for sure i watched the trailers afterwards and i was like because i watched the movie last night and then after i finished i watched both of the trailers and i was like wow this shit looks intense like yeah, I, they I, look I, really good i want to <laughs> see like what happens yeah um cool zach you have a recommendation i do um it's a music recommendation so as i know you're not the biggest fan of the beatles I'm not. You're not. However, there was this weird time frame, um, I believe after Sgt. Pepper's came out, where the Beatles broke up for a couple of years. And I feel like I've talked to you about this before, but there was this band that came out that they did not show like who they were. They, they didn't tell you like what their names were or like what they looked like. And it sparked some controversy with it. So the band is named Claw 2. And when you listen to them, they have a very cool sound of like very reminiscent to the Beatles. And basically like if the Beatles just did only their psychedelic stuff, Mm -hmm. like that's what Claw 2 is. They don't have a lot of albums. They have, I think five in total, and the last one that came out was 2005. Before this, it was like their first album was like 1976. Right, yeah. So around 1987 was where they kind of capped off, and then they just released like one a few years back. But they have like a really cool sound that if you weren't paying attention, they sound exactly like the Beatles. Like you can hear the drums of Ringo, you can hear the vocals of Paul, you can hear the guitar of Lennon, and it's so odd. But it's none of them? But it's none of them. And that was, like, a cool controversy because, like, everybody assumed that, like, oh, my God, this is the Beatles just under a different name performing because they want to start fresh. Mm. And it became this double-edged sword for them because it's, like, they got super popular in the the mid-'70s. and then Probably kind of, like, for the wrong reasons, yes, though. Yes. And once people found out, they felt betrayed and then just stopped listening oh, to them. Oh, that's so... Which is, which is, is really <laughs> shitty. Yeah. But they are a really cool band. Like, I, I honestly think um, their first album, EST, is a really cool album. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years later, Hope is a really awesome album as well. Nice. So I think you everybody should check out Klaatu. Klaatu. Bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Awesome. Thanks. No problem. Frank, what are we doing next for our discussion? So we're going to talk about, um, I kind of mentioned it to you, how it's kind of like a sister um, episode to mm-hmm. the whole blockbuster one that we did. Um, but I, I really want to talk about 
streaming services mm-hmm. and their effect on film and their and how people watch them and and all that. Yeah. Um. So I guess the question is really going to be like, are streaming services like ruining film? Okay. Um. So yeah, look forward to that, Zach. Take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank. No! (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm saving that one. But as for Caesar, kneel down. Kneel down and wonder.